Grab the popcorn and get ready to join Chris and Geordie on a journey through some of the most celebrated films of all time that Geordie's never seen before. You're listening to It's About Time You Watch This. Hello and welcome to another episode of It's About Time You Watch This. It's Chris. And Geordie. And today we're doing something a little bit different. If you're listening as this episode drops today, it is the day that the season finale of season one of The Last of Us drops on Binge here in Australia and HBO over in the US. And uh, you still haven't watched past the first half an hour. Hey, I got half an hour in. That's not bad for me. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but I, I thought as a way to try and get some outside perspective yes, to yep. get you to watch this, I thought I would bring in somebody as a special guest. Yes, and we have been teasing a lot about we special have guests. Someone that actually worked on The Last of Us. Really impressive that we have these kind of contacts. Well, we'll get we'll get to how I got this contact a little bit down the track, but uh, we are chatting to someone who worked on the show. Simon Dakin joins us all the way from Canada. How are you, mate? And thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks. Doing well. Now, Simon, give us a bit of a snapshot on some of the, the projects that you have worked on. Uh, okay, so started off as, as many Canadian guys do down here. Uh, I worked on two seasons of, of Heartland, uh, I know we're going to get into that a little bit. <laughs> Ooh, we, yes, will, we, we will. We will. Hi to your mom. <laughs> Hi to your mom. Uh, from there, I went on. I did uh, some work on Jan, uh, which is a great little sitcom about Jan Arden and her life. Pushed up a bit, a bit, bit more of a caricature of, of the Jan that Jan is. But she's uh, she's a great Canadian musician. Not sure if you guys have heard of her down Australia, but not 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 huge. Not. But yeah, you you've, never, you've heard yeah. of nobody, so that's not a surprise. <laughs> And then uh, I worked on uh, Guilty Party. I've done two seasons of Joe Pickett. Fantastic series, by the way. Love Joe Pickett. A couple episodes of Heartland last year. And then picked up some independent art uh, films, The Birds Who Fear Death. Uh, Just finished Lucky Star. I did a great Indigenous series, uh, kind of a spin on Tales from the Crypt, called Tales from the Res. Ooh. which uh, I am really excited about that one. Uh, yeah, that one cool. is going to be really, really good. Can't wait for that one to come out. I uh, did a little bit of work on Fargo Season 5 with set design. Of course, The Last of Us. And I'm currently working on the sequel to Wind River. That is a, a wow. really impressive list. Let's go into your background, Simon, and how you first got interested in the field of, the, of set design. Uh, well, I mean, I've always been artistically inclined. Um after moving from England, we settled in a small place called Georgetown, Ontario. And, you know, it was the mid, early mid nineties. And if you were artistic, our guidance counselor was always, well, you could go into architecture. <laughs> so it, it was yeah. pretty much, if you were good with numbers, you were going to be an accountant. And if you were good with art, you would be an architect. So, I mean, I'm an architectural technologist, never went all the way through school, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> I've always loved movies. Um, I, I lined up in England outside the cinema to see uh, Empire Strikes Back for hours. My dad stood with me. And uh, when we got to, I think I was about eight. And when we got to the front door, I saw the poster. I got scared of Darth Vader and I ran home. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I would have so too I've, from I've a Star Wars movie. Yeah, I, I've always been interested in, in movies and TV and, and all of that. And this, 
I just, I got it. It, it was the right, right time. I just, I was always interested in it. I just wanted, wanted to do it. Um, I got a job with probably well, one of the largest builders doing the uh, houses and all the design for that. And then I was corporately restructured. So the entire team, my R and D team, we all we we were all politely asked to leave, and uh, I just kind of figured, oh great, there goes my retirement job, and that was it. I mean, we were showing up and just I was collecting a paycheck at that point, but it was you know I'm getting older and it was just something that was going to do. I got to be slightly creative, and away we went. Yeah. Um, and then I was sitting around watching TV one night, and I, it was Titans, the uh, DC show. And I made a comment on Facebook after a couple of glasses of wine because I was unemployed. Yeah. And uh, said that I really enjoyed the show. I thought it had been marketed a little weekly, but, you know, it was definitely better than I thought it was going to be. And a couple of hours later, a friend from high school wrote back and just his his reply was just, you're welcome. And I know I knew who he was. I, we'd gone to high school together. We were really good friends. I hadn't spoken to him in decades, but when we were still in high school, you know, working McDonald's and retail, he was doing props on the RoboCops TV series. Oh, wow. So, he, I mean, he he's worked on, he worked on It and uh, Good Friends with Guillermo del Toro. I mean, he's <laughs> fantastic. He was really, really amazing yeah so we went kind of back and forth and because i got a little bit of uh, vineyard courage in me (laughs) you should hire me i'm not working give me a job and he said well you know great but your background isn't suited for what i do and the commute would be terrible i work in toronto you live in calgary that's you know that's a horrible to do and so we got talking and he's like, well, you do the design stuff. So here's a few names that I can give you to uh, get in touch with out there. So took me a few weeks to build up the courage to to make the phone calls. And I'll be perfectly honest, they were they were emails because I hate phones. One, one thing led to another and I, I went through my list of people and one guy would be like, well, it's great, but that's not exactly what I do here's the name of the next guy. So it's basically like a big game of telephone, right? You yeah. call yeah. and you get the next guy, the next guy, the next guy. And I ended up hooking up with these guys called, um, named Trevor Smith and Dale Marushi. And they are top shelf designers and production designers, art directors, great guys. And they just happened to have a spot on Heartland for a set designer. So I met him at a pub. We had a couple of drinks, and I think three, four days later, they offered me the position. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, right place, right time. I got so lucky. Yep. So then it was paperwork to join the union and everything else. So we went through there, and I did the entire season of Heartland, season 13, I believe. And then from there, Dale moved over to uh, Jan. And luckily enough, he took me with him. And it's just kind of been going from there. So I'm a little bit jealous that it worked that easy for you. So well done. (laughs) I I know. Thank you. Like I said, it's that whole running gag of talentless but connected. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I know I, I, I found out the right people after three or four months of calling around. And it just happened that that was that. And then they needed somebody quickly and 
I guess everybody else was busy. Yeah, it was meant to be. It was meant yeah, to be. Yeah, absolutely was meant <laughs> to be. Apparently so. Yeah, I'm not complaining. <laughs> so what are some of your primary responsibilities as a set designer? Uh, construction drawings, right? Yeah. Like, you know, with the blueprints that you give to the builders because everybody is in a different department. So my production designer will meet with the producers and the director and get a feel for what this show wants to look like. Then he will speak to the art director. They will mess it around a bit. Then the art director will come to me and usually with, you know, chicken scratch drawings and bits of paper and I'll put it into the computer and give it to him. He gives it back to the production designer. Then it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then once everything is like, yeah, that's great. We do the construction drawings and it goes out to paint. It goes out to construction. It goes to the greens department if we need trees and, and all of that good stuff. And now like sculptors and everything. It's yeah, it's, it's really cool. So basically if it's built, the set designers designed it and construction and everybody else has, has chipped in and actually made it real. Such a huge process when it comes to like a TV show. Like, and we'll get to this some, when we talk about the last of us a little bit later on about some of the stuff that you did on that and you know the, the detail and, and all the little work that goes into every single production like this is just just incredible. Look, you touched on Heartland there, and we've got to talk about it because <laughs> that, that's how you came to be on this show, Simon. Is uh, you work on yeah. Heartland, and that's because my mother is a massive Heartland fan. She really massive. Yeah, it's not like we've heard about it <laughs> at all. She now runs all these Facebook pages and groups and has connected with you and a couple of the other guys that work on the show. Yeah. And that's what she said to me. She said, oh, you should have a chat to Simon. He'd be really good for the for the podcast. I went, okay. I'm pretty sure he said, ugh, Heartland. That, that's exactly how it started because <laughs> yeah. over here in, in Australia, I guess, I don't think it actually screens on free-to-air TV over here. No. This is a show that's just become this this juggernaut. And now... Oh, Absolutely. After hearing a little bit about it, you hear other people talking about it, and now I just oh, I seem to be hearing about it everywhere. So how is it being part of such a huge production like that that does have such a huge fan following? The fan base are so passionate, and they're fantastic. I, I've had people contact me and, and, and tell me that I got a divorce or my wife died, and this show got me through the grieving process of that. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, there's the flip side of that coin. I don't know how far along you guys are, how many seasons have been released in Australia, so I won't give spoilers <laughs> to what, what may or may not be happening in, in season 14, I think. It's a great show if you like that stuff. It's a very family-friendly, happy show. We always joked that it's not a human show. It, it's a horse show, but it's got humans in it. Yeah, because everything kind of revolves around the horses. And I mean, the cast are fantastic. The crew's been together, most of them for the run of the show. So like I said, when I came on in season 13, it was just brilliant because everybody just meshed. No one had an ego. They all knew what they were doing. And it's it's brilliant. And I think in that one season, I think I got 1,200 new Instagram <laughs> just by posting, hey, I'm working on Heartland and it's my first job and I'm terrified. Crazy. But yeah, the, the, fan, the fan base is incredible and they just, they, they really, really, really love it. 
Yeah, well, we've, think we've learned. We, we, yeah, we've learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. But I think it, it's a testament to the show and the fact that, as you said, it is such a, a family-friendly, like it's full of drama and love and, and a bit of action and all that sort of stuff. But it, it is something that parents can sit around and watch with kids in the room, which yeah. in this day and age can be tricky. Very difficult. Yes, yeah, Sunday night, 7 o'clock, you'll find probably one in three televisions in Canada tuned into to Heartland. Netflix International released their uh, streaming numbers, I think, last year. Heartland was not only the only Canadian show in the top 25, I think worldwide it was number three. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I, can, that, I reckon. I mean, not surprised. Canadian though. show. It's, it's unheard of. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Well, it's definitely been screened in our landing room when we're not home. I know that yeah, when yep. mum's been here babysitting <laughs> the little one and come home and we're half, <laughs> halfway through an episode of Heartland. Now, Simon, on to the reason I did get you to join us on the show. We're talking The Last of Us. The season finale is streaming as we speak. How did you get involved in a production like this? Like, This is obviously such a huge, huge production and we talk about Heartland being a worldwide thing. This, this show is just astronomically huge. How do you get involved in something like this? I mean, this is going to sound boring again, but it was right place, right time. I had spoken to Trevor about a different show. I can't remember what it was. It was a different show. And he had put my, because I love the guy, he put my resume around to, you know, pretty much anybody who's doing anything in the, in the thing. And Last of Us was shooting um, a scene with the refugees and Fedra. And they needed, I think, 40 to 60 or 70 pieces of, of luggage built from scratch and aged down so that it was, you know, batted up and you dragged it around the world for a little while. And they they needed someone to come into the warehouse for a few days and, and build this luggage. And because I guess the last resume that the props master had got on Last of Us was mine, it stuck <laughs> in his head. And I literally got a phone call saying, can you come in tomorrow? We're going to COVID test you this afternoon and we need you for a few days. How are you at working like band saws and sandpaper? And I'm thinking, what am I building? You're really just doing <laughs> luggage. You just, we've got all of these backpacks and suitcases and, and stuff like this. And you need to attach survival stuff to it. So over the course of two days, I think I built 60 pieces of luggage and backpacks and it was what I'm, I, I can't say for sure whether I did or did not have a hand in Joel and Ellie's backpacks. Because <laughs> I mean, I made so many. It was two days of standing, and we had, you know, cutlery and teapots and things that we'd have to bash up, beat down, and put the dirt on it. I got a, a crash course in, in props and aging. It was absolutely fantastic. Such a great learning experience. And it's nice to sit and watch me like, oh, is that one mine? And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm yeah. the guy who does the movie thing. I've loved it first. <laughs> of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and sneak little Easter eggs in. So if somebody's dragging a, um, a suitcase on wheels around and you see it's got two little teacups with a, with a, a tea kettle hanging off it, that's the one I made for my grandma. Hey, hey. Well, there you go. When you do watch go. it, Jordy. That was going to be yeah. my next question. Which episodes it's, do I have to keep on. an eye out in? So well, there all we go. Of them. All of them now because <laughs> you never know when it's going to And that's what I, I was I touched on it before is the scale of a TV show or a movie these days where, where you've got people that are coming in literally for, for days on end to age up and, and weather luggage. Like, yeah. I, I don't think a lot of people comprehend the, the work piece. that goes into these sort of things. We had... I mean, the warehouse that we were in just for the props and the paint 
you could have put like three airplanes in there. Oh my goodness. It was absolutely massive. The scale of that production just blew me away. And I mean, they, they closed down. We have a bridge, they call it the fourth street or fourth Avenue flyover. And it basically connects the main highway to downtown and they shut it down for a week. I saw this on your Instagram the other day. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the commute, they tried to do it over a three day weekend, but the commuters still got really, really angry mm-hmm. because they didn't want to do a whole bunch of CGI. They wanted practical effects. Yeah. And what I think once you see it, it play, I mean, it's seamless. It plays mm. really, really well. And there is a huge argument to be made for, yeah, do it practically. Was there a bit of collaboration with the creative team, like with the game, obviously, you know, a show like this is based on a video game that has such a huge, rich following already. Is there discussions about, okay, well, you know, even down to the backpacks, okay, well, we need to make them, make sure that they do look authentic to what's in the game and following that? Or is it, you know, would that be harder than having free reign on a, on a set? I was given free reign on the backpacks and the luggage just because it's aged, right? I mean, it's in a crowd. You've got hundreds of extras dragging these things around. I did see on one of the episodes, they recreated the clothing. So when Ellie is where she's got a burgundy t-shirt with a graphic on the front, that is lifted straight from the game. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody did go through like the wardrobe department, props department. They went through the game and pulled out all of the stuff they were wearing, the the type of guns that they were using, everything is like that as far as I know. And they put it back into the TV show. The continuity on, on this thing is just incredible. So after yeah. talking about all of these impressive things that you've done, so can you share some of your favorite moments or accomplishments from the shows you've worked on? <laughs> or is that too big yeah. a question? <laughs> no, it's I, I've got a couple. So I, I think it was the third day that I w- I'd started on Heartland. So Third day in the industry on my first show, I still have, I'm still waiting for them to figure out that I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> right. My, my production designer comes in and he goes, Hey, we got to do a, we got to design a stone boat. I'm like, okay. He goes, yeah, stone boat, man. He, he goes into the spiel and says, not a problem. Like, no, as, as I furiously, you know, Google what the hell is a stone boat. <laughs> And it, it turns out it's this sled that you used to drag around in like the late 1800s or early night before, you know, there were trucks. So if you had a farm and you'd had a storm or trees had gone down, you would drag this thing behind a horse and oh. put all the debris onto it and then take it away. Yeah. So we had to design that and then we had to do a stunt with it. So I had to design it that it was tall enough off the ground that we could put a stunt guy underneath it <laughs> who, who could work the horse reins oh. while the fake horse reins were in the actor's hand who gets thrown. Oh. So this, this is day three of oh my, my first goodness. week. But we did it. And if I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> it's still sitting on the lot outside the back of the Heartland offices. And the sculptors did a great job because we put fake rock on the top of it and all of this fence stuff and, and everything else. So yeah, that that was fun. Pretty impressed I got that done. Now Straight I know what Straight into it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I designed a um, old-timey wine cellar that is actually under the Heartland home, but is not under the Heartland home. 
the hole is next to the house and then everything else was shot in the uh <laughs> there's a tornado scene i think in in season 13 um trevor actually got nominated for an award for best um art des- design production for that one so i'm pretty proud of that it does come back they they've used it a couple times after after that so was happy about that oh another one that i'm really proud of and this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous uh, <laughs> on tales from the res we were shooting outside down by a river at about four in the morning and they wanted a, a lot of they call it atmosphere so smoke so we had three smoke machines set up around the set there's only there's me and, and one assistant who was absolutely fantastic it's cold it's windy the wind is not cooperating we've got this poor actor in a grave like literally in a grave <laughs> we're throwing like warmth and and we're pumping all this stuff in and it rolls along the ground and goes into the grave but it keeps blowing so we're constantly running around moving these smoke machines we've got massive paddles and we're trying to direct it we we got the shot it looked brilliant i was told it looked brilliant um so i was pretty happy about that some of the stuff that we've we've done when you see it on film it just it looks so simple but then you remember how you pulled it off and you're like oh well, i lived through it <laughs> that's the main thing i suppose yeah like <laughs> yeah yeah so if there's people out there listening now that are that creative artistic type that are think you know that are maybe sitting at school listening to this when they should be doing their work and thinking and getting told oh you should be an architect when they want to be something bigger what advice would you give to them going into an industry like this first and foremost that i tell everybody find your local iatsi union people right simple i don't know if you've got iatsi uh down in australia or not but it's it i think it's it's the main one just google local iatsi and put in your city you can't do anything without them unless you just want to work on independent films. Uh, if you want to do the bigger stuff, join them. They will give you all the paperwork. Uh, but then a lot of it is interpersonal connections and meeting the right people. They, I mean, I am constantly emailing people and meeting people and trying to figure out where the next, because there's no job security. Yeah, That's something else I got to tell everybody. <laughs> there is no job security. Right? None. Um, so if that bothers you, <laughs> don't don't think that you're going to work on a 22-episode year-and-a-half production because yeah. odds are you're not. Find the IATSE people, put together an incredible portfolio, uh, get some thick skin. There's a lot of rejection. Um, and just keep bashing away at it. Um, IATSE will tell you what to do. You've got to build up uh, a lot of hours before you can get into the union. Um, but I do highly recommend that you do join the union. Well, it just made me think of that, Jordy, because Jordy comes from a background, Simon. Uh, when we first met, she was uh, at university in a town about an hour away from where we live now and was working at a place called Cryle Castle. And it's basically, I think it was in the 70s? 70s or something, yeah. This bloke just decided to build a castle yep. in the middle of a town. 
medieval theme park. And it's park. a full medieval theme park. <laughs> like they and do jousting and everything. Everything, all that. So Geordie was an actress there while she was at university. Yeah, terrible uh, actress. Yep. I don't know how I got the job. Yeah. Still don't know how I stayed for four yeah, years, but you know. <laughs> but we digress. But yes. it is, you know, for those, we have seen some of the guys that Geordie worked with that are now gone on to acting careers and that sort of stuff. And, and really taken, trying to push into the industry. And push into the industry. And, you know, it's, it, as you said, it is a, a lot of hard work. But at the same time, as you said as well, it, can be a lot of blind luck and, and who you know right and all place, that. Right, right, right place, right time, isn't it? Right place, right time is, is I think, 100%. I mean, you can have right place, right time, but if you don't have the skill set to keep going, you will get dumped really quickly. Yeah. Right? Like, if you know a guy, but you get in and do a crap job, That's, word gets around a yeah. lot faster, right? Like, if you do a great job, people are going to talk about you. Yeah. If you do a terrible job, everybody is going to talk about you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. have the skill set to back it up. Always be humble. Don't freak out about stars and whatever. Don't ask. Don't ever ask for a photo on set. That's yeah. just terrible. Yeah. We don't do that. <laughs> um, unless you know a bunch of other people are doing it, or it's a smaller production. I got I got some really nice photos with a couple of the independent uh, films that I did last year. Which, which was just beautiful. I mean, I, I love doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But not during a scene when it's all finished and everybody's yeah. packed up. Yes. Then maybe sheepishly wander over and kind of, can I get a, <laughs> get a picture with you, please? Maybe, maybe if it's not too much trouble. Um, a lot of them are really, really cool about it. I've never had an, an act of flip out. Yet. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. So finally, with Simon. The, with the, sorry, yeah. Oh, go no, ahead, you go. go. <laughs> Uh, with with the set design, I'm which I, I I love doing the set design in the winter because I sit in the office. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm getting too old to be out on set at minus fifty and yeah. you know with the with the plug in clothing and everything else. Oh. But yeah. Well, just for the record, before we before we started recording, it's um I think eighteen degrees and and raining here in Australia. What what is it over there? Oh, it's actually a balmy minus 11 Celsius. <laughs> oh. And you said it was, uh, it was worse yesterday? Like 20 degrees was, I worse? Think it was minus 28 Ooh. yesterday. Yeah, a little um, difference. We get, we get these, we get these because we're at the bottom of the Rockies, right? We get these crazy weather changes. Yeah. Yeah. So you can literally wake up in the morning, it'll be minus 10, and then it'll be 15 degrees by four in the afternoon. The patios will be open and there'll be guys running around in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so we we get the they're called Chinooks and they're just hot hot air that comes over the mountains and just completely throws everything off. So crazy. crazy. All right. Final question. So tell me <laughs> why I should sit down and watch The Last of Us. So I've only watched the first 30 minutes, but why should I watch the rest of it? Honestly, from what uh, I mean, I've been following along week by week. And it's not what you expect. Mm. Th this is not a straightforward, infected zombie uh, TV show. It, it just isn't. There are beautiful stories that are told. I mean, episode three, bring the tissue. Oh. You will be oh, weeping. That's the one you I, cried the whole way I through. I came in. Yeah. So Geordie was watching TV in our bedroom that night, and I, I sat there and I watched it after Ali went to bed. And... I walked into the bedroom, just tears <laughs> yeah. streaming. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's hard not to love Nick Offerman in anything he's in, but. Absolutely. 
the way everybody in that episode doesn't walk away with some sort of at least Academy Award nomination is beyond me. Like it had like next year's Academy Awards is just going to be filled with the show because that episode alone was just mind-blowingly good. But but as you said, every episode, it's not just. Resident no. Evil zombie movie no. where people are getting torn apart. Like it is, a, it's a, a, a human study almost. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's almost a different, there's that underlying Joel and Ellie story, but then each episode almost has its own story that sometimes, I mean, yes, it has to do with them, but they are definitely not the featured actors. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's not like you've got these two characters doing everything right in front of the camera week in and week out. The, the stories are different. It's beautiful. It's beautifully shot. I am a little biased that the scenery is fantastic. <laughs> um, the amount of work that went into it and the detail is is absolutely stunning. It's just it. I was. It is. It's one of the better shows that I've seen in, in quite some time. Yeah. Not only for the the scope and and everything else, but just in the way it was written, how faithful they are to the source subject and the acting is top notch, just absolutely top notch. Yeah. I remember one of the first things. You'll love it. One of the first things Chris said that really freaked him out is unlike your Resident Evils and stuff, this movie, how they explain how it all happens the first, could the first, actually yeah, happen. The first five minutes of the first episode where it's the, the two epidemiologists and they're discussing, you know, what would happen. Yeah, on the talk went, show. Yeah. On the talk show. And I sat there with my jaw drop going, oh, that <laughs> – that's that's terrifyingly <laughs> realistic. Like it's yeah, not. We'll see in five years because yeah. that's where we're going. That's yes. what I mean. Like it's yeah. um, the season finale is streaming right now. So once you finish this episode, go and watch it. Simon, thanks for joining us today, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to get a bit of a, a backshot on on your work and and all the stuff. And I know there's going to be a lot of Heartland listeners that are out there. I know we've sort of coded it as a Last of Us episode, but I've got a feeling that uh, there'll it's be a, a lot of Heartland listeners <laughs> listening to this episode as well. But thank you very much for your time, mate. It's, it's much appreciated. Well, thank you for having me. It was an absolute pleasure, guys. There we go, Geordie. And another episode done and dusted. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. Back to movies next week for It's About Time You Watch This. You've been listening to It's About Time You Watch This, a creative media production.